On today's program, destruction was coming to Judah because they had grown accustomed to living in sin. The Lord called Jeremiah to sound the alarm. Coming up next on Our Jewish Roots. In the sixth century BC, one man stood alone against the pervading wickedness of God's people in the land of Judah. The prophet Jeremiah was chosen by the Lord to warn of pending judgment that would come at the hands of the Babylonians. Visions of an exile left him heartbroken and in tears. But Jeremiah remained faithful to his calling and recorded a message that would speak to generations yet to come. Standing tall with faith in God, he understood better days were coming. And there was hope over the horizon. Thank you so much for joining us today. I am David Hart. I'm Kirsten Hart. Jeffrey Seif. So in our first program, God called Jeremiah. And in this program today, I think the people didn't think he was so called, rejected. Yes, and speaking of program, it's our program, of course, but really we're offering a telling of God's program through Jeremiah in our program called uh, Our Jewish Roots. And uh, I use this book. People might wonder, what is it? Well, it's a Bible that gives our Jewish roots. Actually, it's the Hebrew text that I'm working from and the traditional English rendering of the Hebrew. And then there's various Jewish rabbinical commentary underneath it. And I'm assimilating this and refracting it through a, a Jewish believing in Jesus prism. And this is what we're bringing to you, actually, the way that the Hebrew people uh, look at the biblical testimony. I absolutely love that you have highlighted parts of your Bible. That looks like the junior high Bible, that, or the high <laughs> Bible I had in junior high. It was yellow, orange, and very few black letters. I, I think, love it, though. I think that a dull pencil is better than a sharp brain. Ooh. And that is, we underline, we make notes, and it's the way that I study. Yeah. I love it. It's great. Dr. Seif, more teaching from you in a bit. But right now, let's hear more of Jeremiah's story. A backsliding, obstinate people had refused to give ear to Jeremiah's voice of pending judgment. And the Lord said to Jeremiah, Sound the shofar in the land. And Jeremiah said, 
Fitiku Hashafar Ba'aretz. Blow the trumpet in the land. What did he have in mind? Is it halftime at a football game? Is it the drum and bugle corps? Is it a jazz festival? No, it is the trumpet of warning. In his day, he wanted to broadcast warning because he saw trouble coming. I want to look at what the components of the trouble were, what precipitated that. But first, if you will, you know, I did quote the Bible in Jeremiah uh, chapter 4, verse 5, where he says, sound the trumpet. I'm interested in who sounds the trumpet today. Used to be the church gave an alarm. That's muted. You know, culture says you can't talk about politics. It used to be media. But even then, I don't know if you can trust that all the time, and I'll get to that in a moment. We want to sound the alarm to be sure. And what was the alarm in Jeremiah's day? He says in chapter 4, verse 6, he says, Ki ra'a anochi mi vi mitzafun. The Lord says, I will bring trouble from the north. Vish shaver gadol, a great destruction. What a tough word to come from such a tender-hearted man. What seemed to be the problem? Well, he noted it previously in the text. In uh, chapter 4, uh, verse 2, there is he swearing as the Lord lives. Uh, here's what was wrong. He says, Be'emet, uh, in truth, Be'mishpot, in justice, Uvit in righteousness. What was lacking in the world? Truth, justice, and righteousness. That was his day. But can I just ask you the question rhetorically, isn't that so much like our own day as well? You can pick up a newspaper, or listen to a radio, watch television to get the news, but the news is colored by all kinds of hues. The coloration of it sometimes obfuscates the story. That is, it blurs it, it hides it. And I don't know today if we can trust across the board that our news really is giving us the news, but rather it's giving us political views driven by particular agendas. And what about justice? We hear justice for this person, justice for that. Justice is a really good thing. And I believe we should stand for it. And I believe we should decry injustice. There should be no place for it. If you look at our founding documents and our culture, that there's a premium on justice for all. And that should be held inviolate. But quite frankly, I'm not sure that justice today itself, or the language of what's just, equitable and fair, isn't succumbing to all kinds of political intrigue with the net result that there's injustice that is parroted in the name of justice. 
And then there's this little thing called righteousness. We live in a world today where it is in very high demand, but very short supply. To be sure, it relates to justice, but it harks to a kind of piety as well that was lacking in Jeremiah's day because people were morally rudderless. It reminds me of our own day, to be sure. To review then, what were the sins that invoked the ire of the Lord in the text? There's the lack of truth then as today. The lack of justice then as today. The lack of righteousness then as today. Oh, this prophet saw trouble in the forefront, but he also saw, as we will see, good news over the horizon. Avoili, anachnu avudim, pitzeinu chasuch marpe. So machala, vani chayav lasetota. Leovdeya elilim lev shel even, chasrei yeda. Em sogdim le elilim chasrei erech lelochaim. I've told my wife on more than one occasion, for the next few years, I don't want to cue into the news too much. Why is that? Because I'm not expecting anything good. I say that because Jeremiah, in his own words, said much the same when he was reflecting on the events in his world. In chapter 10, he says, but I said, this is sickness. And I think of that too. I'll explore uh, the reason for that a little bit as he gives a window into it. But he looked at the world that he lived in and he said, this is sickness. But he didn't just say that. He said that and he followed, and I must bear it. In effect, it was the cross he carried. And I tell Barry, you know, I think we have to carry much the same today. A lot of godly people similarly are saying it's a sick world. We're going to have to walk through it and pray through it and see what God might do in it because there's always hope. But the problem is the problem. And to give voice to the problem, if you look in uh, chapter 10, of Yermiahu, of Jeremiah, verse 14. I'll read it in the Hebrew first. It's not exactly the way the English works with syntax, but I'll, I'll give it to you. He says, Nivar kol adam mida'at. Uh, these people are brutish or they're dull-hearted. Uh, they're, they're, they're not seeing things crisply and they're without knowledge. That's what he's saying in the literature. I don't know if you've encountered people like that. I know Jeremiah is encountering people like that in his day. I've encountered people like that in my day. People that just don't seem to get it. They don't seem to be thinking clearly. 
In another world as a police officer, I'd have opportunity to be dispatched to a call for service, something out on the street, something in a home. Someone is severely inebriated, they're intoxicated, and I think, what's the point in trying to reason with them? They're not going to get it anyway, number one. And number two, even if they get it, they're going to forget it because they're lacking capacity. This prophet gives voice to the fact that there's a lack of capacity, a kind of dullness. And it's spiritual. It comes as a result of living in sin so long, they just don't know the left hand from the right. There's a wound. There's a sickness. And the righteous, were told, they have to just endure it for the season. The uh, analogy of sickness is employed in Jeremiah as elsewhere in the Older Testament. Jeremiah is explicit in saying, listen, is there no balm in Gilead? That is to say, is there no medicine for it? Indeed, there is. The problem is people just don't want to take the medicine. They don't want to see the problem. Never mind, take a look at the solution. We live in a world today where there's so much blindness. To me, it's amazing. And I just feel, and I tell Barry, we just have to endure it. To me, uh, there's a kind of sickness that's prevalent in the culture. People just don't want to hear truth. They'd rather just live a delusion. The net result is there's a judgment coming. And here in the heart and mind of the prophet, he's not an angry soul, I should say. He's more hurt. He's more sad than he is angry, but he sees there's pain, there's anguish, and for the time being, we're going to have to bear it. Our resources this week, First Glory, The Future of the Believers. In this booklet, Zola Levitt explains the coming rapture, our time in heaven, the kingdom on earth, and then eternity. Also, get our three beautiful magnets of Jerusalem, photographs taken by Kenneth Byrd. They are a great addition to your refrigerator or filing cabinet. Contact us and ask for the glory booklet or the Jerusalem magnets. Our Jewish Roots is more than just a television program. See what you are missing on our social media outlets. On Facebook and Twitter, you'll find our daily Name of God devotional, current news articles, the Bearded Bible Brothers, and more. On our YouTube channel, you'll find Faith Foundations, music, interviews, the Bearded Bible Brothers, and more. Or find everything on our website, levitt.com. We invite you to keep in touch and join us on social media. Last Sunday after church, I had a man approach me and say, you're going to Israel again. I would love, my dream is to go to Israel. He said, but I, there's no way I could ever go. I couldn't afford it. And I'm thinking back to many folks who have been on our tour bus who have said, God is the one that allowed me to get on a Zola Levitt bus and it changed their lives. We would love for you to join us. Pray about coming with us on a tour. You can find all the information right here on Levitt.com. So many of those stories of our wonderful passengers and pilgrims that go, they're miracle stories. And I've just got to say, 
another miracle story is the fact that we are able to go to Israel to bring all of these programs yes. to you. We were just there recently, and I didn't realize that our program has to actually pay permits. You have to be allowed to film on all these spots in different locations where we do in, in the Holy Land in yes. Israel. And you make that happen. We are 100% viewer donation funded. And thank you, Tada in thank Hebrew, yes. for making all of this possible. We're very thankful for you, for our viewers. We have more of Dr. Seif coming up soon. Right now, Dr. Michael Brown is our guest teacher. We go to him right now. Jeremiah really was a sensitive soul. As I studied his life for a period of years, writing a commentary on Jeremiah, one thing that struck me, because you think of his boldness, you think of his courage, you think maybe he was just this kind of tough and rough guy, but really he was very sensitive. And, and it seems in some passages, like in the 15th chapter, he's lamenting and, and it feels as if he's saying, God, when I really needed you, when I was really hurting, you weren't there. It, it seems as if he feels more than anything let down by God and he openly says it. But what's fascinating is God knows who the real man is on the inside. And rather than speaking a word of comfort and saying, oh, Jeremiah, I know you're going through a hard time and I know it hurts. You know what the Lord says to him? If you repent, I'll still use you. <laughs> what did he say? I don't want to be used. I want out. But God knew what was inside the soul of Jeremiah. And often that's the way it is with us. You know, we're waiting for God to kind of come with this little word, and I know it's hard, and you're going to make it. Instead, he says, be strong, be courageous. I have a calling on your life. There's often more of God inside of us than we realize, and more backbone inside of us than we realize. So like Jeremiah, many of us may be sensitive souls and may be hurting and may be feeling, God, where were you at the toughest times? But when you read the whole of the book, and you see the triumph, you see God knows our limitations and God meets us at our weakest and most hurting moment. Jeremiah was a tender soul. I've mentioned this elsewhere in the series and I'll speak of it again. I mention it here because I want to alight upon the way that he speaks about women. I say this because if you look at the way women were treated in the northern kingdom of Israel, which was destroyed over a hundred years prior, women were more degraded. In the southern kingdom, and certainly in Jeremiah's world, uh, women are more extolled. All the more the image here when Yermiahu, where the prophet in chapter 4, verse 31, he hears kol batzion. He hears the voice of the daughter of Zion. Sarah in Hebrew, in anguish, in anguish. The verse reads, ki kol b'cholah shamati. I've heard the voice of the daughter of Zion in anguish. It's a woman overwhelmed with pain that he uses to describe what's coming upon Judah. But the image of travail that's employed here is used elsewhere in Jeremiah, 
But it's not only used in Jeremiah, but the imagery is picked up in the Newer Testament as well. For when you think of a woman in travail, and I don't want to be so bold to speak casually about women's experience in childbirth, because I know nothing of it other than being an observer to it. I can't speak of it with any experience other than seeing it. But I do know that out of the pain comes something pleasurable. There's new life that emerges out of the difficulties. And I mention this here because the prophet sees a woman in travail, uh, in anguish, screaming forth, but he is going to give voice to the new birth that's going to come of it, the new beginnings. In the Matthew Gospel, chapter 2, you might recall the story of Rachel, who's crying over her dead, is used uh, to envision uh, something prophetically that's happening with the coming of Jesus in the city of Bethlehem. I trust you're familiar with the story in chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. The Matean author, Matthew, is harking to a story in Jeremiah where he's using that prophetic text of travail to point ahead to very new beginnings. Oh, to be sure, it's a tough story to tell when we look at Jeremiah, and we need to tell it, and we will. It's a tough story. But we, as the prophet, see hope over the horizon. This is only the second program in our series, and we have so much more to come. But I've got to say, today, the girls got a little shout-out, didn't we? He was talking about women, and so were well, you. Well, more than a shout-out. Let's go with scream-out, to tell you the <laughs> truth. Likening to what God is all about in the world to a woman in travail. I can't presume to know what that's all about. You tell us. It, it is not fun in the process. I've, I've had, we've had, we have <laughs> had children with an epidural and without. I've had one, our first one, without anything. And you feel the birth pains, but it's all worth it in the end. You almost didn't want it to happen at, at first, but oh. then it happened and you're good. Right, and it's, it's all worth it to hold that child, but those warning signal signs, they're painful, kind I of mean, like. The, is it really, I mean, honest and true, yeah. is it really like that? Once the baby is, is placed in your arms afterward, it's all good. I mean, you no, feel. No, it still hurts. <laughs> but, but, it's beautiful and it's wonderful, but you still have remnants of, of that pain for, for quite a while. It's kind of interesting in Jeremiah, if I can correlate or, you know, parallel what I went through giving birth with what Jeremiah was talking about, he was giving warning signals of something's coming and it's painful, but he, and Jeremiah always balances it out with, but there's hope. There's something good at the end of it. And it's interesting too, uh, Jesus employs the Jeremiah story in the Matean text, the Gospel of Matthew. Um, it's just fascinating to look at women's experience being pivoted from in the biblical text. God is sensitive toward women, particularly the fact that God's purposes in the world uh, come through pain. We don't like that, but it, it's like that in nature. It's like that in scripture. It's just like that in human experience. I, I know back in the day, they didn't want to hear the bad news. Yesterday in our hotel room, I turned the TV on 
first thing on the news, I had to turn it right off because it was so bad. We don't want to hear the bad news today, and we forget about that hope for the future. Well, that was Jeremiah's problem, telling yeah. the truth. Every time he turned on the Fox News, it wasn't any good. It was mm -hmm. bad on CNN. He was Fox News, yeah. wasn't yeah. he? No, no, no he matter, was the voice. No matter who was talking, no matter who was spinning, it was just bad to the bone, his world. And uh, what a tough place to be. But he saw God was going to bring something new. Hmm. He, he saw it, but did the people see it? No, all they saw yeah. was chagrin. Well, the, 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 the leaders expressed chagrin because he poked them in the eye. You know, he, uh, he, he called them out on it. He called them out on their fake news. Right, and I think, I think, this is maybe my personal opinion, that the Jewish people thought, we've got the temple. We're good. We're good to go. We've still got the Holy of Holies. We're fine. God's with us when he was saying, no, 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 you're not following any of our covenant together. But they thought, we're good to go. We've, you're we've right. It's explicit in the literature. They were saying, well, the God's temple is here. You know, Jeremiah says, don't be so comfortable in sticks and bricks. You have to have the right kind of living to go along with the worship. And uh, they had too little of both, to tell you the truth. Well, I think sometimes, day. can I say, and without getting in trouble with all of you, I think the church has the same thing. I think, you know what, junior high went up to camp. I accepted the Lord as my personal savior. I'm good to go. I can do whatever I want. Right. Now. You know, I go to church. There's 168 hours in a week. It's good to see someone in the house at two. What's life all about for the other 166? Right. You know? We tend to put down the Jewish people at that time, but I think we're right in the same boat. No, but, you know, God, he puts them down, he lifts them up, and that's your point. That's Jeremiah's point. You see something being born even out of the anguishing moments. True. More to come next yes. week, Thank right? Thank you for your insight today. So much more in this series. It's time to end. Yes, it is. Thanks for watching. As you go now, Sha'alu Shalom Yerushalayim. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Join us right now for additional content that is only available on our social media sites, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Visit our website, levitt.com, for the current and past programs, the television schedule, tour information, and our free monthly newsletter, which is full of insightful articles and news commentary. View it online, or we can ship it directly to your mailbox every month. Also on our website is the online store, 
There, you can order this week's resource, or you can always give us a call at 1-800-WONDERS. Your donations to Our Jewish Roots help us to support these organizations as they bless Israel. Please remember we depend on tax-deductible donations from viewers like you. This has been a paid program brought to you by Zola Levitt Ministries.